preparing for revival, investing in revival, seeding in revival. Some people go, oh, you know, is that your theme? Uh, doctor, you keep saying that because I believe it. I'll go to the grave saying, I'm going to see revival. Uh, we were in, uh, you've heard me say, we were in the fourth and uh, last great awakening in this nation. We didn't even know it, did we, guy? We didn't know it. Uh, Sister So, we didn't even know. I, you may have known it. So, you've been around, whole, you've been saved a whole lot longer than I have, but we didn't even know what was happening. We were just in the midst of it. God was just moving powerfully throughout all of the land. How many have read about the Fourth Great Awakening? How many have read about the Charismatic Movement? How many have read, have read about the Jesus People Movement? How many know about it? How many people heard about it? <laughs> it's history now, you see. How many of you would like to be part of modern history? I'm going to share something with you that I want you to catch a, a glimpse of because if you do, I believe it will change your life. I really do. In every single century, there's been people who have served God and people who have turned from God. Every century. And those who have been faithful to his words and those who have been faithless to them in every generation. Those who would hear his voice and then those who would mute their ears and not want to listen to anything God had to say. Those who would experience and witness the power of God, and then in time they would deny that very power. Those who felt the grip and the gravitational pull of the love and the agape love of God, and then those who would end up hardening their hearts to that very divine love. It's, it's just interesting work throughout all of history. But through it all, hear me now, through it all, like a loving father with his children, they would go astray, but God would stay. They'd wander away, but God would stay. We, on the other hand, might go, go ahead and get out of here. You don't deserve it. God loves you, and you're just, you're not even, you're not even acting right. Go and get out of here. How many, how many have ever got ticked at people? Now we got more hands up. Come on, be honest. Come on. If, you, if, if not, they've gotten ticked at you, I can tell you. Well, sometimes I think, God, just, <laughs> there have been some times, my younger years, I just say, God, get them. Just get them. Bring them hell fire down on them. <laughs> I'm so glad that God could care less about what I was saying. And I tell you why he can't do that. Because God can't deny who he is. In Hebrews in chapter 13, it's actually spoke of in Deuteronomy in chapter 31. It says, God says, I will never, I will never leave you. And I will never uh, forsake you. Uh, I will never um, turn my back on you. Now, we think about Elam Bible Institute and Elam Bible Institute in college. And I don't want us to become so um, zeroed in on what, how should I say this? Uh, I'm an academic person, Madam Executive Vice President and Provost. I'm a, I'm, I believe that we have, we have degrees here, and we're going to get, hopefully, prayerfully, a few more of those. I'm a big, 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 big believer in that. 
But I don't want you to become so uh, concentrated on uh, that as you are how God can use those degrees in helping you further the kingdom of God in whatever, whatever it is you do. That's the important part. That's the reason we exist here. If not, there's a lot of other colleges that you can, you can go after. So through the rejecting of God and through greed and self-satisfaction, through ego and loving yourself and numbness of God, God still through all of this, through all of that, stayed faithful to the faithless. It doesn't make sense. Get him, God. But he, he stayed faithful to the faithless. You have been faithless at times. I have been faithless at times. But he never, never, never gives up on us. It's just not his nature. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot disown himself. Even when people are faithless to him and not serving him, he, he still has this thing called love, agape love, this unconditional love that flows through your bones. Because God cannot deny who he is. Why? Because God is faithful, and God is kind, and God is gracious, and he's merciful, and he's forgiving, and he's loving, and he cannot deny those attributes that he is. The thing that God cannot do is God cannot lie. This is who he is. This is, this is the attributes that he has. This is the reason that he longs to move in multiple awakenings in different parts of the world. The United States isn't the only part. There's been in Africa. There's been in South America. There's been in Europe. There's been all kinds of awakenings in God. And we are in need of awakening, young men and women. We really are. Ever since the fall, man has lived to please himself and to scratch his own itch, no matter what he does. You have to. We have, I have to. How many like to be happy? Come on, get it up. Come on, come, 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 come on. You like to be happy? I'm going to show you where you shouldn't be. <laughs> I just set you up is what I did. Remember Winston Noons would do that all the time, which is the reason I never wanted to be in his class, and I never wanted to sit in the front row. Because he'd say, isn't that what God said? And i go, oh, yeah, praise God. He goes, no, that's not what he said. He'd embarrass you just like that. I'd always sit in the back. <clears throat> so um, we somehow live with this false narrative that says that we somehow, God wants us to be happy. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not what he wants more than anything else. Matter of fact, I don't see anything in Scripture, and I've read it a while, that says God wants you happy for the rest of your life. Oh, I know it's a disappointment to a few people. He doesn't want me happy. Then what's the reason for living? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. We would like to be happy. I'd rather be happy than sad. You know, you'd rather be up than down. You'd rather be positive than negative. I get all that kind of stuff, okay? But bear with me here. Um, God doesn't promise any of us happiness. 
The word happiness is based upon happenings, happenings in our lives, the things that go on in our lives. And what happens in life is not always happy. How many of you have ever experienced disappointment? How many have ever uh, experienced sadness, remorse, sorrow, pain? You're, you're kind of young. You go, hey, Dr. A, don't give me all this stuff right now. I'm only like 20 years old. I mean, don't lay all this stuff on me. But the fact is, life is not always happy. However, in him there are two words that are very distinct and they're very powerful. And they are joy and peace which supersedes or which overrides happiness because they're better, it's a, they're better words than happiness. Happiness is a, is a verb, but it's, it's not the strongest verb. Happiness is arbitrary. Happiness is um, inconsistent. It's not reliable. I got, I'm happy today, and, and the next day I wasn't happy. Uh, my uncle, you know, it was really crazy. You know, he, he died and he left me a bunch of money. I was happy that day. It was a very happy day. Did you tithe it? <laughs> Happiness is arbitrary. And so um, um, it's nothing's reliable. I'm happy today and then I'm not happy the next day. It's all very relative. Happiness is just a relative term. Actually, happiness is the gap between the periods of unhappiness. That's what happiness is. Now, joy, on the other hand, hmm. joy, on the other hand, is inward peace. A joy is, it's a, it's a psychological, emotional, and spiritual contentment. It is a stronger word. It's a stronger verb. It's much more powerful than the word happiness. Paul says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, or you could go on, I'm just taking a little liberty here, eating and drinking and having fun and doing things and being happy and always smiling and enjoying everything around life. He said the kingdom of God is not just a matter of eating and drinking and doing all the good things. He said it's righteousness and it's peace and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not happiness. The kingdom of God is a matter of peace and joy no matter what's going on in your life. It's that substance that you can hold on to and and lean into. When everything around you seems to be a little vertigo, you've got that joy, you've got that peace of God that says somehow, some way, God, you're going to see me through. And there are a lot of people in this world that don't have that. Compared to happiness, joy is a more constant and stable word. It has more depth and strength built into the very word itself. Joy. And this lust for happiness throughout history has deceptively caused generation after generation to seek their own self-pleasure and their own self-satisfaction at any cost. It doesn't make any difference because I'm supposed to be happy. And their mantra is, I deserve to be happy. I deserve happiness. How old are you? Well, I'm 18 years old. What have you gone through? Well, not a lot, but, you know, I want to be happy as much as I possibly can. Is there any way you can fix that, God? I deserve to be happy. You know what we deserve? Somebody tell me. We deserve death. That's what we deserve. But God, through his mercy and his grace and his son on the cross, provided for us an escape of that. 
It isn't about me. But the enemy wants you to think it is. And the society wants you to think it is. It's about me. And all. I mean, I'm not even going to go into it because we got some screwed up people. But here at Elam, nobody's messed up. You guys are the cream of the crop. You're nothing. You actually levitate when you walk. Halos everywhere. Except on you and you. You know how you're doing. We got the best of everybody, right? Right, Bridget? That somehow God wants, and because of that, God wants me to be, God wants me to be happy. Consequently, when, when life turns out not to be happy all the time, people then turn from God because God is supposed to structure and secure my happiness. And God, if, if, if and that's a myth is what that is. God's bigger than happiness. He's deeper than happiness. He's more structured and stronger than happiness. Though we walk through the fire, we won't even smell like smoke because he's bigger than happiness because those guys didn't have to walk through that flame. All they had to do was bow. They would have been happy that day. But I believe they were happier at the end of the day. They saw the power of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's been this way for centuries, and it's this way today, this, this very day. It's the same thing. From generation to generation. God owes me. And God, by the way, do not disappoint me. Because if you disappoint me, I'll believe in you less than I believe in you right now. There's people, young men, women, old, you know, middle-aged people, all kinds of people, they just don't know Jesus. Everything's about me, me, me. Now, I know our generation, at least here in the United States, the hippies, you know, you started the whole thing, guy, it wasn't me. The hippie generation, <laughs> we started that free love and me, me, me stuff and, you know, uh, rebel against authority and all that. I know that, we, you know, but some of us got saved and got over that thing. Um. But we started it. It's, 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 it's the longing, it's the thing that people just simply gravitate to. They can't help themselves. God has got to be, and if God isn't and things aren't going happy, then I remember during the Vietnam War, I got this all the time, they would say, I don't believe in God. Why? Because God wouldn't allow people to be killed like that. And I thought, well, God isn't really killing those people. People are killing people out there. This is the enemy's job. They keep people at war all the time. It's about power and land and prestige. It's all about that stuff. It's always been and it's always going to be until the end of time. So they believe in God as long as things are going right for the most part. Not everybody, of course. I'm just looking arbitrary here. So even um, through the selfishness of God's own creation, the people that he created, even through all of their lust for self-gratification, even through all their twisted sexual desires and physical gender reassignment decisions, even through minimizing God to their own dismal way of thinking, even through hatred for those who would dare somehow to take away my freedoms. It's my right to do this. It's my right to feel this way. It's my right to... I saw something on Facebook, and I felt like reaching through the thing and slapping the girl's face. This young girl, I'm going to say she may have been, I don't know, 15 maybe, 
And her mom and dad were sitting on her couch, and she's in her father's face pointing the finger. I'm telling you, if I was in my father's face pointing the finger, you would not see me today. I'd be past tense, okay? I'd be low, low in the grave. Let me tell you something, Dick. Um, and she's pointing her finger in her father's face. And says, I want what I want. I have every right to have it. It's my, it's my life to be happy. You're supposed to make me happy. And the father's just looking at her like, you know, there's something wrong with her. But he's not doing anything. I'm saying, get up, get up, get up. Get her, get her, get her, get her. Get her, get up and get her. And she's pointing. She's about this far from his face. And I thought, the girl, if I, you know, I'd be dead if this was the case. I was doing that to my father. He whacked me good. But that's, that is a indicative of so many things that are good. She just happened to be, you know, she probably has, I don't know what the heck she has. Probably just off of her meds. I don't know. But the fact was, I thought, that is very indicative of today. I want what I want, and it's your responsibility to make sure that I'm happy. Well, that is such a big myth. Such a big myth. Through all of their total disregard and mockery for God and his word, through lawless actions and thievery and brutality and mental um, instability that's in our society, through the absolute debauchery of murdering over 63 million little babies in the last 45 years in this nation, the national sin of the United States of America. Little souls. My God, my God, my God. If I were God, that's the reason I got issues. <laughs> you see, I could, if I were God, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be taking care of some business with some, especially some of these politicians. I'd be taking care of business, even through all of these brazen sins. Check this out. Even through all these brazen sins that are going on, God still wants to show his love to the chief of sinners and offenders, whoever they are. God still wants to show his love and invite them into the kingdom of God. And guess who has a large part in that happening? Touch the person next to you, would you? Just touch him for a moment. You are the young men and women of God that the Holy Spirit wants to use to make this happen. You're a portion of that. And God wants to anoint you with it and for it and commission you. Frederick Lehman, in, the, in his song, The Love of God, that he wrote in 1917, he said, Oh, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and it reaches... To the lowest hell. That is what Elam was built for. It is with this college. I, by the way, I'm not angry. This is just an Italian thing. Oh! <laughs> this is just what I do. I'm, I hope it's reinforced. I get a little excited. This is, uh, this is what God has raised us up for. Throughout all of history, God has always shown up in, in redemption and in power because, because of his great and limitless love. He wants to show this to a generation. And there's a way we 
we intercede for this. There's a way that we can participate in this. Remember, it's being participants in this. God hears the cry of his people. That's you. You're an important person, and that's you. That's all of us. Those who intercede for the lost. How many know someone here that doesn't know the Lord, and you wish that you're believing God for them? That makes you a recipient. You're a very powerful person. You've got to catch a hold of this. You really do. Because God wants to visit this school, and he wants to visit this state, and he wants to visit this nation, and he wants to visit the globe. Next time you go up to the globe there, the Rodriguez globe we call it, just lay your hands on it. Or reach out toward it because God wants to move and he's going to move. In all of history, God has shown up in all of these. He's showed up in splendor. He's shown up in salvation. He's shown up in Holy Spirit power. When the people of God pray for revival, when the people of God pray for a visitation, when the people of God pray for a rainstorm of glory to come down, this is what God does. He waits for his people to want something like this. Not just about me. Not just about happiness. But God, I'm going to intercede. I'm going to be a a participant in what you want to do in this land. Because God, we need a presence and we need the power of God like we haven't at any other time in our lives. I believe, and I'm not the only one that believes this. I believe that we are going to see a fifth great awakening. I do. I preached it when I first got here. I believe it now, and I'm going to continue to believe it. I'm not the only one. There's a lot of men and women that believe this. We're going to see the fifth great awakening, possibly the last, and you're a participant in it. Um, and the, the difference is, I believe we are going to see people come to Christ in a way that they never have through any revival, ever. The Finney revival, it doesn't make any difference. I think we're going to see more people come to Christ in this nation, in specific, because this is where we're at, than at any other great awakening in this country's history. At the same time, I believe Christians, in particular, those who are really on fire for the Lord, are going to receive real persecution. And I'm talking probably more political persecution than anything else. But because you're anointed of the Lord, that's not going to make any difference. We're going to see multiple men and women coming to Christ, young men and young women coming to Christ. How many are ready for that? I mean, how many are ready for that? Amen. You're not going to read about it anymore. You're not going to hear about it from old fogies like me. You're going to experience it. You're going to be involved in it. You're going to be in the thick of it. You're going to ride it like a wave. And you're going to receive the power of God more so than you have ever in your life or more so than anything you have ever heard about. For those who are that hungry, you're going to see it. You're going to experience it. Charles Finney said, revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It's giving up one's will to God in deep Humility, the thing we're all good at, right? In deep humility. I want you to listen to Isaiah, and I don't want to turn to it right now, but but I want you to listen to Isaiah because there's a remnant in Israel that he's talking about that, uh, and they're praying to God, and they're, and they're saying, God, show up. God, 
show your glory. There's this remnant in Israel. They had just returned to the Lord. They had been up and down in their own lives in God, but now they've returned to the Lord, and there's this remnant, this amount of people in Israel, and they're praying, God, show up, please show up. They were confessing their sins before God and asking him to strike down the enemy like he had done in the past. Get him, God. Get him who hampers the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get him who is trying to close the minds of men and women so that they can't receive it. God, get him. Get the enemy. Because Israel at the time, they, they, their whole system was filled with violence and, and corruption and chaos and confusion. Is it familiar to anybody? <laughs> the streets of this nation are filled with violence and chaos. We're, we're here. Some of you are from other, you know, from cities. How many from New York State? How many are from outside of New York State? Okay, how many of my people are from Baltimore over there? Huh? Well, you know, we're Baltimore people. We used to to call us Baltimoreans. But we're Baltimore people. (laughs) But it's got some problems in the city, don't we? Rochester has some problems in the city up here. There's violence and there's chaos everywhere. In other words, the children of Israel were saying, God, give us revival. We want to win. We want to win over the enemy. He's been toying with this too long. I want to win. They said, let's win over joy rather than this, this uh, unstable happiness. We need you, God, to show up. That's what happens, young brothers and sisters, when revival shows up. That's how revival begins. The remnant begins to pray. The remnant begins to long for. The remnant begins to cry out to God. God, there's violence in the streets. Things are going awry. God, show up and get the enemy so that the gospel of Christ can be brought like the noonday. The believers, the remnants of God, become weapons of prayer and good news bearers to the lost. And as a result of that, they become, those lost people become aware of God and their lives change, their mind change, their disposition changes, everything about them begins to change. And that's how you change society. You can't pass a law that, I mean, even with abortion and the things, they pass these laws and then they, they goes back and forth. The only way you can change a nation is to change the hearts of the people. And when you do that, that's how society changes. That's how society has changed in all of history when it comes to God. I want you to turn now. Or rather, we're just going to show you Isaiah chapter 64. I'm going to read Isaiah 64 verses 1 through 4. And then I'm going to read verses 1, or rather 7 through 10. So if you could throw Isaiah up there. He says this. Look, look, look what's going on. All that you would rend, that you would rip apart the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. And when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, You came down, and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ears have ever perceived. 
No eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him, who acts on behalf of those who pray, who acts on behalf of those who really want God and want to see the hand of God move. He acts on these things. He hears you. He knows your prayers. He's listening to you. He's applauding you on. He said, keep talking. Because there's a moment that he's going to unleash his spirit. And when that happens, you're going to know it. Verse 7 gets a little sad here. No one calls your name or strives to lay hold of you. Think of today. For you've hidden your face from us and have given us over to our own sins or our sins. Just like now. You, you, I don't know. I, I, I don't watch a lot of news, but I watch enough to be sad and to be aware. It's like God has given them over to their own sins. Men and women and young men and women and older men and women. Just go ahead. He's just letting them that happen until he's had enough. And when he has enough, it's not that he's going to be bringing hellfire and damnation. But remember, because God's a loving God. So when he has had enough, he explodes his love in a way that draws people unto him. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. See, notice what's happening. Isaiah and this remnant is seeding the clouds. They're just seeding the clouds, believing God, looking to God for, for some great move. They're crying out to him. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we're all your people. Your Sacred cities have become a wasteland. Even Zion is a wasteland. Jerusalem, a desolation. I'm telling you, the cities in the United States, many of them have turned from God. They've turned from God. That's sad. But at the same time, we know that God is moving behind the scenes, ready to do something wonderful and use the people of God, the remnant of God, that dare pray and believe him to show up again. Do it again, God. Do it again. Preparing for revival looks like something. It smells like something. It looks like something. Revival is not just a noun. It's a powerful word. It looks like something, and it looks like asking God to rip the heavens apart and set the world ablaze with the glory and redemption that he holds. It's, it's asking God to come down again in the power of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. Remember what Isaiah said? When you did awesome things. <laughs> Some of you have the gift of prophecy. Some of you have the gift of healing. Some of you have the gift of wisdom. Some of you have the gift of knowledge. Some of you are anointed of God and you don't even know it yet. Ask him. I, I talk with students sometimes. What are you going to do? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. This is the time to start asking God. What do you have, Lord, in me? Put it in me. Impregnate your power in my life. Some of you, maybe many of you, are going to be used in this revival. You've got, got to start asking him. God, use me. 
Revival is when God gets so sick and tired of being misunderstood that he says, I'm coming down there. I'm going to come down in my glory and my mic because I'm going to save some people because I love them.